Good morning, church. So it's good to be here. So many amazing things going on in our church. Um, but right now, we're going to dive into the scriptures uh, for today. So let's dive right into it. The first one is in Proverbs 19, verse 21. And it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Next one is in Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the last one, which is the main passage for today's uh, sermon, is in Genesis chapter 18, verse 1 to 15. And it says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamir, while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I found favor in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seers of the finest flowers and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself, and she, <clears throat> and she thought, after I'm worn out, my Lord is old. Will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, what did Sarah laugh and say? Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. And to be honest with you, the first thing I thought about when I read this passage was, if I come to my wife and said, dear, there's a bunch of people outside waiting to come in for supper, make sure you prepare, she would say, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but maybe she would be nice enough and go and prepare it. But thankfully, that doesn't happen often. But here's the thing. The chapter before this one, God spoke to Abraham. And he also had a similar response. He laughed. Because it's a promise that has been said to them a couple of times. right? And you can imagine, if you, somebody promised something to you, and the time goes by, and you don't see any fulfillment of that promise, you start doubting. You want to take everything under your own control. And maybe doubt. 
And the most important part of this part, I think, is that part of the passage where it says, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will turn to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. So today's idol, today's theme, today's message is about control. And as we get ready to listen to God's word today, may we also be ready to hear what God has to say, because we all struggle with control. We all want to know what's going to happen, how things are going to happen, and we struggle with that. But thankfully, we have God that's almighty, that has the ultimate control of everything. So let's pray. God, I want to thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you, because you were at the beginning. You're now with us, and you know our future. And even though we doubt, even though we want to have control, and we don't want to listen to your word at times, you're faithful, and you'll fulfill the promise, God. So challenge us today. Help us to surrender that control to you, God. And use Pastor Mike to speak the words you want us to hear. May he be able to transfer what you have given to him, God, and may we respond to that word faithfully. We pray in Jesus' name, and we'll say, Amen. All right, good morning. I want to welcome all of you that are here at 5050 REC Drive in Marion, and welcome all of you that are at worship with us on our growing church online. It is a pleasure to be here in worship. I'm Mike Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here, and we've got some fun and some things to do here today. First, I want to share with you uh, a little picture. Yesterday, uh, Thursday through yesterday, we uh, represented you, Marion Methodist, at the first provisional conference of the Upper Midwest Conference of the Global Methodist Church. And on the far left of the photo are your two uh, lay delegates, Matt Kearns and Adam Britton. In the middle, uh, Reverend uh, uh, Norm and Gail Kelly. Uh, Norm is a clergy delegate alongside me from the church. Of course, you know Teresa, uh, my spouse, and, and myself. It was absolutely wonderful uh, joining our new denomination, the Global Methodist Church. Um, and I would say that it was a fire hose of blessing that started with one of your own who grew up in our church years ago, uh, James Parks, and he's the president of our conference, and he gave an amazing sermon. I wasn't surprised because I've known him a long time, but he brought the gospel and just uh, anointed the whole thing, and it was wonderful. And then, um, you don't probably don't know this, except those of you that were involved in it, uh, we were selected as a church to show other churches how they can be in mission to their own community so we gave them a picture of fly and of uh you know marion cares and the food pantry and some of the things you all do different ministries lots of them i can't name them all which was wonderful and i'm not going to say that there was a contest for videos but if there was we'd have won like big so i you know i'm not competitive or anything but uh, <laughs> i know and uh I, I do want to start uh, then also sharing with our praise team. They were wonderful today, amen, right? They were great. Uh, 
you, if you wouldn't have known our leader was sick, you wouldn't have known, right? So uh, thank you, Travis, for stepping in at the last minute. Now, Vicki led us to, to the idea of the gathering. Next week, it's, it's going to be Sunday. Um, we've got a late breakfast at 1045. I encourage you to stay because um, there, there's going to be, a, a, it's going to be a quick hour. We hope it to be one of the shortest hours in your life uh, to see what's going on at Marion Methodist. So it's actually good for visitors, and I hope that all of our congregation will, will come. So the word of God, Gonzo read to us very well. And I, and I start by interpreting it in this way. I just want to promise you, and I, actually I'm kind of giving you a heads up if you're ever going to invite me. I will never in my life bungee jump. I, I want you to need to know that. I do. Because, you know, I always watch those videos. You watch those videos on YouTube of people bungee jumping. And you're thinking like, when guys like can't get a job as a carny worker, they're like, well, why don't you do the bungee thing, you know? And they tie you in these harnesses that look like they're built in for World War II surplus stores or something like that. And they just say, you know, it's only a thousand feet. Just go ahead and drop off that. I'm like, no, I'm good, you know? I'm, I'm that guy, and many of you are too, that I like to kind of be in control of my own body, right? I like to know where it's going to go. I like to make sure that if I jump, I meant to jump, you know? And I like to know if I'm falling, I meant to fall as much as I can. But, but most of us feel that we like to have some control. But, I, but I, our, as Gonzo mentioned, we're really dealing with the four idols of our generation. We talked about power last week, and this morning we're talking about uh, control. So I'm, I'm going I'm to ask you to help me fill out a sentence. So complete this sentence. He is such a control. Oh, so you've heard this one. All right. See, there's a huge leap from wanting to not lash yourself into a bungee apparatus and fall off the Royal Gorge Bridge to being a control freak. That's a huge jump. Because control freak is not really directed at people that say, oh, good, you made plans. We were coming over to dinner. Thanks for going to the store and getting stuff ahead of time uh, and getting things ready. That's not a control freak. That's a person that's planned out. There's a huge difference here. Because when someone says the phrase, You're, they're such a control freak, that's rarely a term of endearment. You know, do any of you want to be a control freak? I mean, some of you are, but do you want to be that? No, that's, that's not something we want to. We, we understand it, but when we try to control everything, what happens is, and that's when we talk about the spiritual nature of this matter, when we're trying to control everything that is in our lives, we ultimately begin to idolize it. We start to replace, you know, our need to control things with, it becomes an idol. And the scriptures advise us against trying to control everything because control is related to fear. They are first cousins. You hear what I'm saying? And now I acknowledge that feeling out of control is scary. We, we don't like it. You know, if our family's out of control, that's terrifying for us. We don't like going to work in the morning or, or, you know, down the hall, if you work down the hall from yourself in the morning, just not knowing exactly anything that's going to go on that day. We, we want to have some control. We want to have some knowledge of what's going on. And I'll tell you what, you know, we're starting to feel the cold weather. And now we got that, you know, now that we've got that extra hour of sleep. And by the way, some of you are kind of sluggish even with that. 
We know the days are going to get, you know, it's going to be dark when the kids get out of school now or something like that, which means the ice and, road and snow is coming. And we like being in control. Like if, if, if we go to, you know, our grocery store from, from our home, we kind of like to know that like when we turn the wheel, it will take us somewhere and we won't just be spinning around, right? We, we like to be in control to a point. We just like to know the end result of the things that are happening in our lives if it's possible. And because if we can control it, we know the outcome. We know exactly how things are going to go. Now, the irony of this is, you know, when you walk over that, that thin line between wanting to know kind of things, how they go and planning into wanting to absolutely control them, what happens is we, we walk over the line of, of irony because the irony is when we try to control everything, what we find is exhaustion, not the rest we were hoping for. Because when you want to control things, what you really want to do is be comfortable and be at rest with things. And when we try to control everything, we, we crown ourselves the sovereign of our own lives, but ultimately, because we know we can't control everything, we find ourselves inadequate, which of course leads to a sense of failure. So, Control will become an idol for ourselves because we actually end up bowing down to ourselves rather than God. I mean, this is kind of a deep spiritual issue because we will live either trying to be God, that is the Lord of our life, everything goes according to our plan, or, and this is binary, or we'll trust God and live in submission to his will and his plans. Now, those of us that are adults, know that we there's a lot of things in our lives that we simply cannot control i cannot control the past <clears throat> nor can you you can't go backwards and say boy i wish i'd done this instead of that i, I wish this would have happened instead of that we don't have any control over the past and we certainly don't have any control over the future if we had control over the future there's not a single one of us that would ever get cancer right there's not a single one of us that would ever have, you know, some disruption of relationship between the people that we know. And we certainly would never lose our jobs if we could control the future, but we cannot. We don't know who's going to come into our lives. We don't know what's going to come into our lives. And certainly, I don't know if you guys know this, but when we try to control things, we certainly cannot control other people. I, I've got two children that have raised themselves to adulthood with our, you know, shepherding. But do you think I can control those people? And I'm married to Teresa. Do you think I even tried? <laughs> She's magnificent and wonderful the way she is. If I tried to control it, I would just mess up our own relationship. And I guarantee you this, even in Cedar Rapids, Marion, Iowa, you cannot control the traffic, can you? You just can't. And I'll tell you a little insight to it. When somebody pulls some kind of uh, tomfoolery in front of you with, with their car, you always say, that guy is such a... You know him too, huh? <laughs> but what's funny to me is that when I do it, I'm like, well, I have a reason. You know, I, I didn't see you there. Right? Oh, uh, just a disclaimer too. <laughs> Do control yourself in traffic if you're driving around with a Marian Methodist window clean, okay? <laughs> it always comes back to pastor. Um, but the scriptures advise us trying to control everything 
Because seeking to control everything ultimately ends up controlling us. And that's the case with all idols. See, Scripture shows us that even the best among us can devolve into controlling behavior. I mean, the beauty of the Scriptures, I had a long talk with this after the first service with a couple of folks. The beauty of the Scriptures is they show us human reality. There's nobody in the Scriptures, save Jesus Christ, that is perfect from the moment we meet them in the Scriptures to the end. This story that Gonzo read from Genesis, 18th chapter, talks about the patriarch and the matriarch of the Judeo-Christian tradition. This is Abraham and Sarah. And they were given the promise. They were given the promise that they would have more children than you could count. God says to them in two different places, you will have more children than the number of stars in the sky. You will have more children than the number of sands on the beach. Have you ever gone to South Padre and tried to count the sand? It's impossible, right? I mean, that's, that's saying that there's this number that is so large, you can't even count it. And God says, I promise you, I promise you. And the problem was he promised people because Abraham and Sarah were not angels. They were not some sort of spiritual beings. They were flesh and blood like you and I. And so as time got by, kept going on, <clears throat> Sarah gets to be 75 or so. And the scripture says, when she was past the years of childbearing, she said, uh, I don't think this is going to happen to me. Even though God had made clear promise, it's going to happen through you. So she kind of takes control of the situation and says uh, to her husband, Abraham, let's go ahead and start this with, without God's blessing. But why don't you go ahead and have a child through my slave girl, Hagar? Now, Abraham shows that he's a guy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, seriously? And they have a child. And, and this whole Hagar-Ishmael issue is something, in that incident is still problematic today. If you're watching the news today, who's the first son of Abraham? Ishmael or Isaac? You have to decide. Different groups have decided different things, and that's what happens, and that's what's causing all this difficulty and, and problems today in, in Israel. And so here's Ishmael growing in years, and these three kind of curious, mysterious visitors, maybe angels, maybe representative of the Trinity, Trinity but certainly messengers of God, and they come and spend the day with Abraham because you have to notice the story he goes to his wife and says make bread he doesn't say run out and get some he goes and grabs a cow not three pounds of hamburger they're going to make that but not quite yet so these people are with him the whole day and at some point when they're eating their meal when they're getting the blessing of Abraham they say where's Sarah and by the way they say it as if they don't know right? Where's Sarah? She's in the tent. When we come by next year at this time, she's going to have a son. Now, if you read the scriptures, and I do, it doesn't say that Sarah had a belly laugh. Ha ha. It says she thought. And the North American 20th, 21st century version of what Sarah thought was, these guys are crazy. 
And they say to her, why did you laugh? And she said, I didn't laugh. And they said, yeah, you laughed. Why? Because she did not trust in God's plan yet. The scriptures encourage us to trust God's plan in two ways. First, we're to trust God's plan with our attitude. We have to let go some of our pride, our anxieties, our fears. We have to trust God is going to take us to wonderful places, places that we might not have dreamed. I'm not talking about a vacation place. I'm talking about those places that fill us spiritually, emotionally. God is going to take us to wonderful places, and do we trust him to do so? The scriptures call us to that, and we're to take rest in God. Because when you're controlling everything, you can never rest. It's every moment of every day. But when you trust in God, you can take rest and say, God, you made it, you're sustaining it, and you're bringing it back to full value, and we can live in peace. Because God's promised us, I'll run the world. Glad to have you in it, but I got this. And second, not only do we need to trust God's plan with our attitude, we need to act as those who trust God fully. I know this is big action. These things are easy to say, really difficult to do, but we can do them because it begins, you know, when we act as those who trust God fully, it means we start by repenting of our controlling inclinations. We have them. We have to repent of our controlling inclinations and open our heart to God's loving correction. We have to be open for God to say, stop doing that. Mike, stop doing that. You can't control everything. We have to be willing to repent of those things, and then we embrace the joy and the safety and the peace in yielding to God. And then you get up and do those same two things again tomorrow and again and again and again. And eventually, you know, we'll, we'll repeal our own behavior um, to be in accordance with what the Lord would have us be. Now, I said that a moment ago. I said that save Jesus Christ, everyone fell away from this. Jesus did not. This is the attitude of Christ that we emulate today. And some of you came in and you knew it was the first Sunday, so you knew we were going to serve Holy Communion. See, what Jesus did was he trusted God's plan with his entire attitude, and he acted as one who trusted God fully. Now listen, I'm going to read a scripture that you probably know from Philippians 2. Uh, I'm going to read it with a little bit of emphasis as it guides us into to communion because this, this scripture tells us how God Christ tr trusted the Lord's plan and how he acted as one who trusted it. So here are these words. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interests. Not look into your own interests. But each of you to the interests of others. In a relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, you know, he could have done anything. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to death, even on a cross. Christ shows his trust in the Lord's plan, and he acts on it by giving control to God. And we celebrate that here at the table of Holy Communion. So let me invite you to Holy Communion today. Some, some of you, um, some of you are, 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 are Methodists, you've been Methodists for a long time, and you know that all 80 million Methodists in the world believe in an open table, which is to say that if Jesus Christ is yours, or you want to receive him as your Savior today, then this is for you. Nothing will abate you from coming to this table. You're welcomed. You're invited to come. Of course, if you're from a different creed or tradition that that feels uh, to encroach upon you or makes you a little bit uncomfortable, it's okay. Just stay where you're at. You're um, you know you're in a church, so we'll be done in a couple minutes' time. And feel included. Feel welcome.